You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the helping spirits to be with us. So I reach out and call to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to all of those people who were here before us, who lived well and died well, who met the challenges of their time and brought to bear their hearts and their minds and their energy to finding ways to be with whatever was going on in their time in a good way. So I call out to these ancestors, those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our lineage to us. I call out to them to be with us here today, to whisper in our ears that we might meet the challenges of our own time in ways that have never been seen before, that we might do what must be done with joy and with courage and show up in a way that we can truly become the men and the women that our time is calling out of us. We ask these ancestors to be with us here today that we might make the medicine that is needed for our time with our lives. And we reach beyond these ancestors, the humans, to those who were here long before anyone ever dreamt up a human. I call out to those non-human ancestors who live with us here on the land, on this planet. And I call out to these ancestral helping spirits to be with us to help to remember our true nature, to help to remember those things that abide, those qualities, those uh, things that we pay attention to in life that cultivate within us the quality of our soul. In a sense, may they help us to remember that which will go with us when we die and to pay attention to those things first in life and then the other. So we ask these ancestral helping spirits in non-human form to gather around as well to help us the living to do what the living are called on to do at this time. And as these ancestral helping spirits in all their many forms gather around us here today, let us gather ourselves, drawing ourselves from wherever we are fully into our mind And with a breath, let's draw ourselves from our mind to our heart, from our heart to our belly. And from our belly, let's take a moment and touch the earth with our mind, with our hand, perhaps with our own bellies. Let us touch the earth and take a moment in this day to stop whatever it is that you are doing and to tune into the earth, to give thanks to the earth for all that it is that is in your life, for beauty, for diversity, For all of the challenges that are calling out of you the person you've not yet become. And for all of the beauty that reminds you that it's worth the effort. We give thanks to the earth for the generosity in her dreaming. That anything can change as long as we are still breathing. This is a great and generous aspect of how it is that we are here. And ultimately we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of life itself. And with our heart feeling gratitude for all of these things and so much more, let us begin to send our energy down through all the layers of the earth. 
with our gratitude pouring out to each layer of the earth as we go till we reach all the way down to the center of the earth and there in the very center of the earth let us anchor ourselves firmly and to connect in the very center of things let our bellies be connected to the belly of earth and let us feel stillness and silence and darkness and the power of that energy which is before that energy which is before all that is abundant, all that nourishes here on the surface. Let us connect into that nourishing inner energy, that which replenishes and restores and rejuvenates and call that energy up, drawing it up into ourself just like crystal clear, cool spring water on a hot parched day. We draw this earth energy up into our being, into our energy body and our physical body, calling this energy up into our lives and may we use this energy to understand more deeply how to be grounded in our body and in our life and from this grounding let us get a sense of place and where we stand and from this let's get a sense of what we stand for what we are living for in this life and let's build our sense of home around this and may we do this in a way that is not simple not just gathering around us people that look and think like we do but to build our home that in a way that it is open for diversity Set a place at the table for the other and open to the door to those who are different than we are. And in this way, let us learn how to be better connected within ourself and the many diverse aspects of ourself. May we understand how to be better connected with our environment and with the invisible world and through learning about connection and interconnection and interdependence. May we ultimately have the blessing of feeling our part in the great web of life. And may we take our right relationship with ourself from that sense. And with that sense growing within us, let us draw the energy of the earth up from the belly to the heart and the heart to the mind and the mind up and out through the sky and whatever weather the sky holds for you here today. Out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know this energy or whatever way you conceive of it, connect to it. And allow it to connect to you and draw this energy down, drawing into your day, drawing into yourself, drawing into these proceedings, the energy of blessing, the essence energy of protection and devotion and commitment. We call in this energy that inspires and illuminates and connects us to all the wisdom of the universe. We call in the energy that is benevolent and beneficent and we draw this in into our head from our head to our heart our heart to our belly and we send it down to the center of the earth and in this way we as humans become one of the many ways here on earth that heaven and earth come together in oneness that we are this place that they come together in the big love that birthed this entire experience of form we are all sharing into existence. And with gratitude for that form, we ask that big love to awaken the spirit of our human heart. And may the heart open, awaken, and inspire the crucible of the heart to draw up the fiery passions of the belly and draw down the crystal clarity of the mind and let these two very different energies dance there in the heart in a way that gives birth to a third and most sacred thing. And may that thing, that sense of why you are here, that memory, that feeling, that longing, that passion, however it is that you sense it, may it grow strong within your heart and may you find in your heart the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring your true gifts into full manifestation in the world. And may you find all the spirit help that you need to do that 
With great gratitude for all that is here to assist us, I ask that what needs to be said be said here today, and what needs to be heard be heard, and that these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I'd also like to give thanks to the human spirits that helped to make this show possible. Couldn't do it without the helping spirits, but I also couldn't and wouldn't actually do it without you. So I give thanks to Gail and Maria, Jane, John, Melissa, and all of the listeners who have donated to the show. It is with your financial support that Why Shamanism Now is available um, live and also on the air in the uh, sorry and in the archives at iTunes at whyshamanismnow.com at co-creatornetwork.com it's available free to those who have access to it and it is with your help your generous help that I'm able to do that if you would like to donate to the show because why shamanism now is listener supported not advertising supported so if you'd like to donate to the show uh, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com click the support button and donate any amount, large or small, it all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. So if the show is meaningful to you in any way, even if it frustrates you, and today's show might, it has moved you. And if it moves you in the heart, I ask you to do that one most shamanic of actions, which is to allow that which moves your heart to motivate your actions in the world and to do something to help the show to grow. There are many ways the show grows that are not simply financial, and I give gratitude to all of you who do those things, particularly those of you that draw these ideas into your life, into your journeys, into your own shamanic practice, and that have developed, um, shared them with others, and allowed um, these ideas to become real in the world. I give thanks for your questions, thanks for your show ideas, and gratitude for all of the many ways that you are helping me to make Why Shamanism Now available to you, useful to you, and appropriate, um, effective here in our contemporary times. So uh, we are live today, so if, if you have questions about today's topic, which is suicide and shamanism... Uh, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or simply email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. All right. So many, many listeners have written, particularly whenever some beloved figure like Robin Williams or someone um, chooses to kill themselves, many people um, ask if there's a show on suicide and if not, why not? And wouldn't you please do it? And I haven't mostly because it's such a huge and unwieldy topic. It seems um, disrespectful almost to throw a podcast at it. Um, however, uh, it also seems timely to do so. There are some books coming out and some articles published recently about shamanism and suicide. And I think it's important um, for us to begin uh, to pay attention. The, the, the challenge here is the issues that usually lead a human to suicide are so obviously tailor-made for shamanism and shamanic healing, so obviously present in people's lives because of the things that are not present because we no longer value a shamanic belief system the the conversation about shamanism and suicide is endless and so when people ask me to do this you know what what are you really asking me even to talk about am i 
uh, is the question, what, um, how do I respond to my own suicidal feelings shamanically? Or how do I respond to suicide as a cause of death when I'm doing a psychopomp journey and trying to escort the soul of this newly dead person? Or how do I use my shamanic skills to respond when someone I love and care about has chosen to kill themselves? Or how do I respond to a client or someone in my community who is currently suicidal? Um, this is a really big question. And it certainly sits firmly here in the realm of shamanic thinking and shamanic action, shamanic skills, shamanic healing. Um, so today, I'm going to do my best to talk about what I see as the heart of the issue. Um, and as I explore this topic here today, though, let's all remember this is a single podcast. And so let's keep perspective. And before we go into media rants about the hundred things that I needed to have said today that didn't fit into this hour-long podcast, please keep perspective. Um, and just to add to your perspective about where I'm coming from, I want to um, let people know that I live in Oregon on the western coast of the United States, and Oregon is the first state in the USA to make it legal for a physician to knowingly and intentionally provide a person with the knowledge or means or both required to end his or her own life and this includes counseling about lethal doses of drugs prescribing such lethal doses and or supplying the drugs and this is always at the request and with the consent of the patient since for the for this law the way the law is written um he or she the patient must administer that um means of death for it to be legal so this is a law in the state that I live in, and I vote. I have voted for it every single time it comes up, every time it is challenged, because I feel uh, that free will dictates that neither the state nor the church should tell me whether or not, or you tell us as humans whether or not we can kill ourselves. I don't. I don't feel that that's the purview of the state or the government. And I realize that statistically, the majority of people who fail in their suicide attempts do regret having tried. I realize that's a good good fat statistic sitting out there. But that isn't the point of the law. And I prefer that my laws line up with energetic reality. The point is, we have free will. And with that comes the capacity to end our own lives. The question really is, should we use that freedom in that way? So free will gives us the right to make choices about our life. And the fact that it is our own life doesn't change the fact that to prohibit someone from living their destiny is the closest thing in shamanism to a sin. It's something that is simply not done. You do not prohibit others from their path of their destiny. You support them in it. And you do so in a way that supports yourself. And so standing in the way of someone else's destiny and ending your own destiny are pretty much the same act. And so that's problematic from a shamanic perspective in which uh, supporting the soul in manifesting its unique genius in the path of its destiny is the point it's why we are here and it's why we are here together to support to, to walk that journey each each in and of ourselves and to do so in a way that we support others and walking theirs 
So at the core, shamanically speaking, if we endeavor in all ways to not prohibit or end another person's expression or of his or her destiny, then it would not be sound to end our own. So it's a problematic choice from a shamanic perspective, from, from the perspective of you are here to live your soul's purpose. Okay, but we live in today's world. And it is a world where playwright, screenwriter, and director Clifford Odets wrote, She died of a wasting grief, of a slow bleeding at the soul. And I think this describes much of America and probably other parts of the world. Though we live in a time when our culture is largely failing the needs of our soul. Our initiations at the gates of life, birth, and initiation into adulthood and death, a world that operates through addiction and obsession and soul loss and greed and all of these things that are contrary to the values of a shamanic culture, shamanic life. And there is a great wasting grief and despair and a great slow bleeding of the soul because of the chronic um, soul loss and the, the epidemic of soul loss. And so with this in mind, let's talk about whether or not all suicides are created equal. Right? Because I, you know, if you're listening, you know, I've kind of in some ways perhaps already contradicted myself. But whether or not you have the right to take your own life and whether or not you should are simply two entirely different questions. Okay, so first off, uh, in this in this little exploration here of are are all suicides created equal i'm just going to say right off the bat it is really hard to talk about a child a young child and destiny all right so basically children from 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 zero to when they would have been initiated in an indigenous culture so their teen years all right so it's really hard to talk about children and suicide um because children, in a sense, while they may be closer to spirit, they don't necessarily have the perspective yet um, to be able to make choices for themselves. And yet at the same time, children are often also grossly burdened by the expectations and the bindings of their parents and those around them. So it's, this is a... Uh, unbelievably complex topic when it comes to children and thus I'm going to sidestep that for today um, because ultimately the only way I can really talk in general about this topic of taking your own life relative to your destiny I have to be talking about someone who is at the place where they are actually making conscious choices towards their destiny and that's pretty much someone from their teenage years on. So that's really who I'm talking about. Um, so we're going to talk about people from teens to adults. And the crux of the discussion um, is have you done what you came here to do? Have you reconciled your life? Are you complete? Because from a shamanic perspective, it's entirely possible even for a young child to complete what their soul has come here to do and walk out of life perfectly complete and done. As, as painfully hard 
and excruciating as that is for their parents and for their loved ones, that can happen in a way that is complete for that soul. So with that said, this is really the issue around taking one's life is have you lived your destiny or not? Okay, so there's this concept in shamanism uh, about death and that those who've done their best to live their destiny and have set their um, interactions and their relations um, in order, they reconciled things. For example, they're often in stories of migratory tribes that an elder might simply wander off intentionally to die. And we see this act as, as great personal sacrifice and as warriorship, actually. And so in our world, you know, sometimes a person has done their best and they've reconciled their life and now it's their time to wander off and die. But they can't because they're, they're wrapped up in some kind of um, terminal diagnosis of a kind of illness or some, some kind of physical situation that prohibits them from doing that. And then, of course, the other issue is where are you going to wander off to? You know, in the, in the United States, some people would have to wander really, really far to get off to somewhere where they could die in peace. So, so this whole notion of choosing your death, dying in dignity and choosing at the end of a long life to die is really complex these days, especially because of the medical mediation around many people's endings. Okay, so it's important also to remember as as you consider these things that for everyone who says this illness is keeping me from my soul's purpose, there is another person with exactly the same illness who is saying this illness will not keep me from my purpose. So an example would be Stephen Hawking with ALS and a lifetime of continued excellence given to humanity, um, even with the disease. Now, granted, um, resources and money to make having that disease as tolerable as possible, but still, this is this is not. There are no easy statements for everyone, other than each of us has to question honestly and uh, rigorously and yet compassionately whether or not we've done what we came here to do. I'm not saying that one choice is better than the other. And it, it's, it depends on the individual and the individual's destiny. My point is, is that it is a choice between you and your soul and the purpose your soul came here to express and manifest as you have lived into your destiny. Now, the thing is, most people who are suicidal in their thinking aren't thinking this way. I mean, that's, that's one of the first clues. However, it is possible for people, young or old, faced with an, an illness that is going to end their life painfully, to make a choice. See, death is going to be a loss. No matter how it comes, death is a loss for the living. No regardless right so if you are struggling over someone who lived a great life who knows that they fully lived their soul's purpose who felt reconciled and is at peace with his or her journey and then they choose to end their own life on their own terms again which is legal to do here in Oregon then you need to look at your issues because your issues are your own. If you're holding on to that, if you're questioning that, if you're tortured by that person's decision, when they are reconciled with their life 
and clear about having fully lived their purpose and go in literally go in peace with their soul and their destiny then you need to look at your issues and so the other thing is that person we have to pay attention to is that that person is well on their way to becoming an ancestral helping spirit so if you can't celebrate that person's life and their decision because of your own unresolved issues around their death or the nature of their death that they've chosen to end their life um, then yes you need to use your shamanic skills to explore what your attachment is what is being brought up in your life about your life by this individual's choices um, and this is a particular kind of suicide technically it's a we here we talk about it as you know death with dignity ending your life on your own terms when the current contemporary situation around illness um, gives you an end date and thus you make sure that you have reconciled your relationships put your affairs in order done your best to live your soul's purpose etc okay so if you can't celebrate that that kind of individual's life especially if they could actually end up being your own ancestral helping spirit which would be a great helping spirit to have then these are some things you could look at through your shamanic journeying and ask for some help either from a shamanic practitioner or your helping spirit depending on where you are in your practice what do you need to do to grieve this loss fully grieving loss is really important so Bonfu Somme's book on grieving is perhaps a place to go if you don't even know where to begin another question is what has this person's satisfaction in their own life agitated in yours so this person who has chosen to end their life but live their life well they feel satisfied with their life they feel complete they are at peace and they are choosing to end their life what is that agitating in your own relationship with your life and what is the quality of your relationship with death is today a good day to die for you or would you have regrets and remorse and is, is, that, is it that person's ability to go without regrets that has got you worked up? What do you need to explore within yourself to be at peace with your loved one's decision? And you can ask your helping spirit that directly. What do you need to reconcile to be at peace with this person's decision? What do you need to reconcile within yourself so that you can celebrate this person's life? So that's a particular kind of suicide and, it, and um, there are some young people with some pretty horrific illnesses that are making this choice as well at this time. So it's not just for the elderly but it is for the person who has chosen to live their life to the best of their ability and then they will reconcile it on the other side as well on their, in their passing. So then there's the other kind of suicide though. There's the kind of suicide where this person is not thinking about the reconciling their relationships and the quality of their destiny and their soul's purpose. 
the kind of suicide that's coming from someone who has no understanding of why they're even here. So I want to turn to the words of a highly awarded published author, David Foster Wallace, who hung himself. So I thought I would go to someone who knows of which they are speaking. And he wrote, the so-called psychotically depressed person who tries to kill herself doesn't do so out of, quote, hopelessness or an abstract conviction that life's assets and debts do not square. And surely not because death seems suddenly appealing. A person in whom its invisible agony reaches a certain unbearable level will kill herself the same way a trapped person will eventually jump from the window of a burning high-rise. Make no mistake about people who leap from burning windows. Their terror of falling from a great height is just as great as it would be for you or me standing speculatively at the same window just checking out the view, i.e., the fear of falling remains a constant. The variable here is the other terror, the fire's flames. When the flames get close enough, falling to death becomes a slightly less terror of two terrors. It is not desiring the fall, it's terror of the flames. And yet nobody on the sidewalk looking up and yelling, don't and hang on, can understand the jump. Not really. You have to have personally been trapped and felt the flames to really understand a terror way beyond falling. And so in this way, David Foster Wallace talks about that pain, that fear, that quality that is going on in the person that finally rises up to the degree that is just slightly greater than the pain and the fear of taking one's own life. So the thought of enduring the invisible agony then is more frightening than the fear of killing oneself. And this is where I feel shamanism is at its strongest possibility to help others to transform. It's right at this place when life is simply become about enduring an invisible agony. Because that is no one's birthright. That is not anyone's soul's purpose to come here and be in agony and despair. But if that is what your life has become, then you're right. Something does need to change. Your life as it is needs to end. So I suggest a significant step out of a culture and a cultural story that has betrayed your very humanity. This is what shamanism, complete with practices, a cosmology, standards for being a spiritual adult and work has offered me. And I do not feel that I am special here at all, that the goal of shamanic life is simply different than the goal of modern life. And for many people, the modern life that they have created is in and of itself the invisible agony. So as uh, Charles Eisenstein uh, has said in his writing, the unspoken goal of modern life seems to be to live as long as co and comfortably as possible to minimize risk and maximize security. And that uh, people become afraid to make the conscious choice to step, step away from a slave's life. And we make the choice unconsciously instead. We can no longer muster the energy to go through the motions. 
You can only force yourself to abide in wrongness so long. And when the soul's rebellion is suppressed too long, it can explode outward in bloody revolution. And so the soul rebels. He says, when our soul body is saying no to life through fatigue or depression, the first thing to ask is, is life as I am living it the right life for me now? And if you are considering suicide, the answer is clearly no. And when the soul body is saying no to participation in the world, the first thing to ask is, does the world as it is presented me merit my full participation? And I would say no to that, and I'm happy in my life. So someone who's not happy is already way past that no. So for example, every morning I say, no culture as it is presented to me, I say no. The culture as it is presented to me does not merit my full participation. Therefore, I choose to participate in the real world to engage with the energies that are under all that is apparent and to live my purpose in spite of all that stands in my way. So I'm not happy because I fit in. I'm not happy. I'm not uh, passionate and joyful about my life because the world as it is merits my full participation. I feel these ways because I live in a different world. I live in a world that I can connect into in a very real and grounded way through my shamanic practices. And this is the great conflict with people learning to work with shamanic skills is am I making this up? Is this all my imagination? This isn't real. For me, I would say it is just the opposite. That this, that this, this which I connect into through my shamanic life is the real reality. See, there was a time in the very heart of my break with reality and my initiatory experience when I was, and I was in Manhattan. So there's lots of humans. And what I came to understand in the way I was seeing things at that time is that everybody is in some kind of pain. Everybody, some more, some less, some are ready to blow, some not so bad, but contemporary people are in pain. And this is, this is what I could see in that strange altered state that I was in. And in this way, began to be able to see my own pain. And to understand that, and at that time, what I didn't understand is the degree to which it is the culture we have all shaped that creates this lattice of energy that we live in that is created by false thoughts and dreams by ideas given to us by a culture that's no longer serving our soul's purpose. The point I'm trying to make is, especially relative to suicide, is that doesn't mean we don't have a soul's purpose. The culture's messed up. That doesn't mean you have to be messed up with it. The beauty of free will is not that you have the freedom to kill yourself. It's that you have the freedom to choose to not participate. And to choose instead to create and participate in a world that is worthy of your full participation. So for me, this is what the cycle teachings have given me. They give me a way to live shamanically in my contemporary world, to heal from all the ways that my culture has utterly failed me. And I'm privileged 
I mean, I can't even imagine those of you that don't have that privilege. Our culture is failing us, but we can heal from that if we choose to engage differently, not just to drop out, but to withdraw from that which can only create despair in us and to re-engage differently in a different version of reality. And I mean this very seriously and practically. And I am not delusional. This is what it means to live shamanically with a foot in both worlds. It's to not get lost in the idea of, contempor- of the contemporary reality of your time, whatever time that is. But to keep one foot firmly planted in the real energies that are behind everything. So Charles continues that if there is something so fundamentally wrong with the world, the lives, and the way um, of being that is offered us, that withdrawal is the only sane response. Withdrawal followed by a re-entry into a world, a life, and a way of being wholly different from the one left behind. So this is the thing. It's, It's not just about withdrawing. It's about finding a way to withdraw to transform within ourselves enough, to gain skills within ourselves enough, to gain practices that we're willing to shut up and do enough to re-engage with the world and have it be an actually a different world. So this is one of the core issues of suicide as I see it from a shamanic perspective. Are you or are you not living your destiny? If you are not, what do you need to withdraw from? And what do you need to re-enter into? And how do you do each step by step? And what is, what is needed then for that transformation in the middle that allows you to re-enter into a wholly new world? And this to me is one of the most important offerings of shamanism today. It's not just the soul retrievals. Um, to finally crack the patterns of the depression. And it's not just the extractions or the depossessions to ease the apparent mental illness, which is probably not really mental illness, but energies. Uh, But it's the means by which we can create a world worthy of our full participation. That, That is the next step. And this is perhaps if there's a point overall to all of these podcasts... It's to moving us as a collective to a place where we are capable of creating a world worthy of our full participation because we have disengaged from that which creates despair and we have transformed so that we can re-enter our everyday in the world life in a wholly new way. And my sense is that what shamanic skills reveal is that that world is actually already here under that apparent reality and that we need only to choose which reality we ground into and draw our power from. And if you have found this answer for yourself, found how you withdraw from and what you need to do to reenter if, you, if you're already in that place, then what are you doing to support others in being able to do the same? So suicide is a response to pain. Physical, emotional, mental, psychic, spiritual, any combination thereof. It causes people to believe death is the only way out of that pain. 
suicide is messy with cultural baggage about going to hell and other righteous judgments only adding to the burden of feeling suicidal. Um, this is a profound criticism of the person who's already in pain and not, um, not um, the criticism applied appropriately to the culture that's actually failing them. Suicide leaves patterns of shame and secrecy in families that blocks family members' ability to grieve fully, if at all. And suicide leaves people in a state of loss, facing anger and rage, bewildered questions without answers, and guilty resentments. So in general, people try to kill themselves for very similar reasons. But I think all of these lists out there leave out the deeper underlying reason people try to kill themselves, which, as Charles has said in his own writing, is simply the mutiny of the soul. Uh, in other words, realizing that the world as is currently presented to us is not worthy of our full participation. And what I would say is, yes, and, so withdraw from it, heal, and engage again in a world that is worthy of your full participation, that is worthy of you and your destiny. Okay, so the list of why people commit suicide is because they're severely depressed. That's what the medical system would say. What shamanic people would say is they're in a state of soul loss and potentially possession. Potentially. Particularly if they're more committing suicide because of a more of a psychotic diagnosis where they're basically hearing voices that are telling them to harm themselves. Um, or just being so crazy and confusing they can't stand it any longer. Some suicides um, are committed because they, the person is impulsive, that they're usually involved in some uh, obsessive action, some addiction, drugs, alcohol, something. They do something impulsive and maybe not really intending to end their own life, but they're sort of outside of themselves. And once sober and calm, they often feel general remorse. Uh, but that doesn't change the reason they were engaged in the addictive behavior in the first place. So yeah, okay, some people are crying for help and don't know how else to get it. And these people don't usually want to die, but they want people to pay attention to them differently. A big one that is arising today, especially for teens and especially for teens who do not fit in to whatever the cultural standard is of their particular high school or even junior high is bullying an exclusion, singling people out, especially teens that are some form of gender fluid, that this is um, a growing problem that someone so young would see that their entire life ahead of them isn't worth it. It's really very, it's very sad. And we, the adults, have set the stage that allows this bullying to be okay. There are sometimes a collection of inner stresses that can add up, for example, some issue someone might have around sexual orientation, which is why it is important for all of us to be open to everybody's sense of how they need to express themselves so that the need to express yourself sexually is not, um, does, is not a stress on someone. So if you add domestic abuse, um, past sexual abuse, emotional neglect or abuse, divorce, issues around – all of these kinds of things can add up 
to a kind of internal stress where the soul mutinies, right? Um, and then we have the other two, which we've already talked about. Some people simply are choosing to die with dignity, um, given the circumstances of their life. And then some people make a mistake, especially young people. They do something and um, suicide was not the intent of their action, but it ends up being the result. Okay, so let's pick the low-hanging fruit here real quickly. Okay, so from psychopomp work, I can say with great confidence that you do not go to hell if you commit suicide. Ending your life isn't any different than ending anybody else's life. It's not considered a good thing. It means you're obviously not reconciled in your own life relative to this person uh, or yourself. But it, it's not like a one-way ticket south, right? So the important thing is if you are feeling suicidal, to not carry that burden that you are somehow destined for hell and to not talk about it. You know, you need to ask for help. And often this, this judgmental, very critical, very harsh idea, we, this baggage that we carry around suicide, um, that, that very baggage is what limits a person's ability to reach out in a really hard time in their life and ask for help. So the important thing about suicide is you just don't go anywhere. You know, the other thing is you don't go to hell, but it doesn't solve your problems. You're stuck here like anybody else who's unresolved at the end of their life. And someone's got to come and help you resolve your life and clean up the mess. And the truth is you have much more power to clean up that mess when you're living than when you're dead. But the point is, low-hanging fruit, the point is here, you're not going to hell. Killing yourself isn't any worse than killing anybody else. And it doesn't solve your problems because you don't go anywhere. That... When someone is suicidal, for the most part, the pain that they are in isn't physical. It is, or it may be physical, but is probably also the pain of their soul, of their heart, of their mind, of their, you know, their spirit. And so when you die, the only thing you get out of is the physical pain. You're still stuck in all the other pain. So it is not a solution. So, most people stay trapped in exactly those same energies uh, that they had when they were suicidal in the first place. Only now, without a body, they have nothing they can do to get out of that pain and to free themselves from that trap. So suicide is a trap from that perspective. Okay, so it's not the solution that people would expect it to be or want it to be. So let's talk about then how we address this with the understanding that anyone pretty much we can say if we take out the people that have lived a great life and are simply choosing to die with dignity and we look at this other group of suicides which is people that are unreconciled in their life and unhappy um, un, not just unhappy but despairing are in some kind of pain in some sort of huge state of soul loss perhaps even a state of possession right these people are in pain and so the most important thing suicide or engage with people who are suicidal or deal with suicide is that we remember and have compassion for the amount of pain involved in this we wouldn't be even having any of the conversation 
without pain that has become unbearable for that person. Okay, so there's an article. So let's talk a little bit about shamanism for those who feel suicidal. So there's an article in Sacred Hoop, it's issue 87, called The Broken Soul, Suicide and the Shaman, A Call to Action. And the author is Adele Ryan McDowell. And she shares that in her experience, all suicidal gestures share three common elements. Pain, disconnection between the self and others, and disenfranchisement or disconnection from the world. And in this article, McDowell points out that trauma also shares these three common elements of pain, disconnection, and disenfranchisement. You know, back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show, that trauma, suicide, and shamanism all fit together really well because they allow us to understand and get at our pain, our disconnection, and our disenfranchisement in a very different way. In other words, for the most part in my own life, I have not exited my despair logically. It has not been through a tidy therapeutic process. It has been through some crazy logic shamanic process that led me a different way. And on that journey, which certainly was a sidetrack from whatever I thought I was supposed to be doing in my life, but on that sidetrack, I became someone else who could re-engage with my life in a different way and build a different life. And so I believe that issues of pain at this level that we're talking about disconnection and disenfranchisement required this kind of thinking to reconcile. And this is why shamanic healing forms have the potential to transform the underlying energy patterns in a person's life that create the platform of experience from which the soul feels the only last thing to do is simply to mutiny and to bail. And so McDowell states that from a shamanic point of view, soul loss is the primary cause of suicide, that the soul is our primary life force, and it is what animates us, and if we have been abused, humiliated, oppressed, terrorized, tortured, traumatized, or hurt, our soul can be splintered, fragmented, crushed, and lost. We can become numb and hollow and move through life in a disconnected zombie-like way. So she, McDowell, is the author of Making Peace with Suicide, a book of hope, understanding, and comfort. Um, And it's, um, it has a great list of how shamanic practitioners can help people who are suicidal and also how shamanic healers can help. So if you're suicidal, what can you do? Okay, if you have um, not explored shamanism, then, then, Point blank, if you have not explored shamanism, you have not tried everything to address your pain and despair, your disconnection, your mental illness, whatever it is. And I don't mean you hung out with your friend who did ayahuasca or you hung out with your friend who took a workshop and they tried what they learned at the workshop on you. I mean you hitch up your britches and you go to someone who is actually an experienced and skilled shamanic practitioner who can meet you where you are at the depths of your despair and begin to help you disengage from this life that is unworthy of you and to transform so that you can engage in the world in a way that is worthy of you and your destiny. And I mean this, suicidal people 
aren't not worthy people. Every single person has a unique genius and a destiny and is our task as shamanic practitioners to engage with people in a way that they rediscover that and then get with it, right? Because no one can live that destiny for you. And it's critically important that you live it. So what I mean about exploring shamanism is accept that if you are to get out of your pain, then you will need to get out of your life as it is and create a life that is different. And it's not as hard as it sounds with shamanic skills, but it does take courage and determination. It's not going to be an immediate release from the pain. The truth is pain doesn't kill you. You kill you, right? Pain doesn't have to kill us, right? And that's part of what I meant when I said for everyone who says I can't do this any longer and maybe you can't, there is someone else who says this is killing me but I can do it a day longer. It is, it is in us, in our hearts and in our shamanic practice that can help us find those things within us that can help us to find the strength and the courage to make the changes necessary to engage differently. So here are some of the things that you could find if you were to engage with shamanism in addition to the ability to address the soul that the shamanic healing offers you. So it allows you to expand your worldview from your cultural explanation of reality, which is usually the problem, to a much larger and alive version of reality that not only clarifies standards for being in right relationship with it, but it gives back to you in a constant cycle of energetic exchange when you are in right relationship with it. You can create your own working relationship with your helping spirits. You can educate yourself about the cultivation of your own energy body so that you're not food for other energies, which is part of what contributes to people's depression and suicidal thinking. There's a whole piece here about food and chi circulation, which is not specifically shamanic, but is important. You can learn how to create power objects and other talismans to create altars and sacred space and begin to work in your life in a different way. And these are the ways that we anchor this other reality that we're creating. You can connect with community who can then join you in ritual or ceremony that you can use for healing and change and transformation. And in this way, begin to reforge relationships that allow you to change your experience of disconnection and disenfranchisement. That ultimately, if you were to open and embrace shamanism with a cosmology and with practices, that you would be able to follow the path your soul has taken and unravel that path to cleanse and restore, to release what no longer serves the person you are becoming, and to reweave your soul. This is possible with shamanism. And for those who are truly suicidal, why not? Why not give it everything and see? You're at the end of your rope anyway. And I wanted to say just a little bit here at the end of the show about shamanism for those who are left behind after someone else's suicide. So I would say that the first thing you need to do is clean up the mess. Sorry. And you're the bereaved, so you're not the one to do it. I really strongly suggest that those who are left in, in grief and with loss from the suicide hire a professional to come in and clean up the mess so that everyone involved 
can heal, can grieve, can reconcile, and can find a way to be at peace with this horrific and sudden loss. The energy of the family needs to be restored, be it blood family or chosen family. The energy of the dead needs to be dealt with, and the energy of the place where the death happened needs to be dealt with, at the very least. Um, In particular, this is important if you actually sense the dead are still with you. And this is a type of sentimentality, holding on to the dead or feeling the dead are with you and that's somehow a nostalgic, sentimental thing. This is very dangerous and very harmful energetically for the living and for the dead. Um, So a a shamanic practitioner can help you to address within yourself um, whatever it is that you need to address within yourself to allow the soul of the dead to go freely. Suicide is often unexpected and sudden, and we often aren't reconciled with that person. And so shamanic work can help you to do that, or your own shamanic work can as well if you have a good practice. What do you need to clear emotionally to reconcile your emotional energetics with that dead person or perhaps with death itself or perhaps with whatever they were suffering about? That there's anything that we would rail against and be angry and rant about, which is entirely valid in this situation. But to continue in it, cycling is not. Once once it's out and you know what it is, it's time to journey about it and figure out how to reconcile it. It's critically important to grieve deeply and fully and to trust the path that grief unfolds for you. It's important to work, I think, with a true shaman, a professional, you know, a trained, gifted, experienced shaman to heal your broken heart. think that is critically important whenever we lose someone but particularly if we lose someone to suicide so suddenly and unexplicably it's important to speak openly about the death and the person that you love to not carry secrets to not carry shame about the suicide to not hold it in judgment or criticism but to be able to accept the choice even if the person didn't live their purpose that to to carry these judgments into your bereavement helps neither you nor the dead. And to explain the situation to the children and assist them in their grieving in an age-appropriate way. Leaving the children out of the grieving process only sets them up for soul loss. It takes an enormous amount of courage to live well and to die well and right now at a time when the world in many ways is not worthy of our full participation it takes even greater courage to make a world that is and to help those who are struggling to cross that bridge to help them across and that is the challenge it's why we are all here at this time and so I'll close with the words of, Albert, words of Albert Camus, who is writing, he's a writer and philosopher, but he's writing about suicide and says that in the end, one needs more courage to live than to kill himself. So I give thanks to the helping spirits, to the ancestors who've circled around us, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. I want to do a quick announcement of a new event 
August 6th, uh, 4th through 6th, this summer, the Shift Network will be hosting the Shamanism Global Summit. Featured speakers will be um, leaders in shamanism, including Sandra Ingerman, Lynn Roberts, Itzhak Beery, Alberto Violdo, John Perkins, and yours truly. Um, the registration link will be forthcoming. Um, you can email me uh, at assistance at lastmasscenter.org if you want to be sure to get the link. It will also be posted on the Why Shamanism Now Facebook page. The summit is free for those who want to participate live, and the recordings of the event um, after the event can be purchased. And either way, I'm pretty sure you've got to register one way or the other. But the links will be forthcoming. So that's August 4th through 6th, the Shift Network's um, Shamanism Global Summit. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.